last week we discovered that as James is writing this letter to what is really the first church, uh, they're, back then they didn't have a church on every corner, they didn't have Christian music, they didn't have Christian bookstores, they didn't have support groups. All they had was this ragtag group of believers that were following and worshiping a man named Jesus Christ. And they started this new church called The Way. What he told them last week is that really, whenever you go through something, he says, consider it. Great joy. Now consider as we were talking about last week and we talked a little bit about this morning in our Bible study class is that consider doesn't mean just to sit and think about it. Consider means to ponder it, to meditate on it and to really give weight to your decision. And so what we found out is, is that we all have life, right? If it rains today and we go outside, some of you will put your umbrellas up, some of you will cover your hair, some of you will wait until it goes out, and some like me will just walk out there in the middle of it. But either way, if we go out in the rain, we're going to get wet at some point. And the truth is, life happens to us all. Now, we all have different things happen to us in various degrees, but what James said last week was to make sure that when you process everything that is happening in your life, you do it with God's viewpoint in mind and understanding that everything that we go through has a purpose, and it brings purpose to your pain. If we start with our thinking, and we're thinking right, the next thing James says is that we need to work on our attitude. Now, y'all don't have attitudes, do you? Okay, why are you looking at your neighbor? Why are you looking at me? Wait a minute, hey, hey! No, we all can get an attitude every now and then, especially if we were back in our teenage years, some of you in your teenage years. Uh, it's quite easy to get an attitude really fast, but then there's also ways of correcting that too, isn't there? You and I must fight the urge to constantly think of what can God do for me and what can I get out of following Him? Because folks, that is not Christianity. That is not worship. That is consumerism. Just like if you love to go to your favorite cafe and pick out what foods you want or look at the menu and say, I want that. And you get to, you know, hey, I want this, I want this. And sometimes that carries over into church and, and we want it our way. And, and that's not always the case when it comes to God because God's going to have His way regardless. And the problem is, is that many believers are defeated today. They live defeated lives because they have been lost in their sin and they have no hope. But every day, more heroes of faith are falling. And whether consciously or subconsciously, many think that their faith has faltered. Many think that I have no hope. But it's worth noting that our hope is not to be placed in any one person or thing. Like Peter, when he started to look at the waves rather than Jesus, he fell in the water. And I don't know about you, but I've been let down by people before. And unfortunately, I'm sure I have let down other people. As we get to that point, we can't put our faith in someone. We have to put our faith in the one. I have always said to myself that when the waves hit you, you have two choices. You can let them take you under or you can surf on top of them. Now, literally, I cannot surf. I know you find that hard to believe. Not. Now, body surfing, I got that covered. The thing is, is that we can either be overtaken by life or we can rise above it. Now, we, rising above it doesn't mean in our own strength. It means by finding a strength to help us rise above that. If you're like me, when we go through trials in life, it's, it's okay. It's not great, but, 
when we get one wave at a time, we can kind of process that. We can, okay, this, this is happening with my finances. This is happening with my relationship. This is happening at my job. This is happening and I can process this. But when it comes wave after wave after wave, it starts to get a little too much, doesn't it? My friend, I've been there. If you haven't been there, you will be there. We all have a bus ticket to being overwhelmed. As we look at that and we think about that, if you're like me, sometimes we get put into a place as waves try to sweep over us. The thing is, is that it's our faith that is challenged. And so my friend, Jesus is purposefully, what we see from James, Jesus is purposefully taking you through waves of all sizes for I just list five reasons here. This is not an exhaustive list. But why do we go through tough times, especially when they are from God? It's one thing to sin and suffer the consequences of that. But when you're doing everything right, like Job, and you still are suffering, you want to know, why me, God? Well, here are a few things. Number one, if you're going through waves, if you're going through adversity, if you're going through tough times, number one, he has a lesson he wants to teach you. Folks, God's school is always in session. He has a lesson he wants to teach you. The second thing is, he wants to deepen your dependence upon him. Deepen your dependence upon him. Folks, I'm telling you what, our minds and our hearts, we always wander to the wrong things. And adversity and being overwhelmed has a tendency to reset our compass to look to true north, which is God himself. The third thing that we see is that he is preparing you for the next wave. He is preparing you for the next wave. Isn't it funny that hindsight, you know, the rearview mirror theology, so to speak, makes a lot more sense than when you're in the middle of something. We can look back in our lives and see what we've been through and see God's hand in it. So why do we have such a hard time seeing God in the midst of our struggles? If God has been faithful in the past, He will be faithful in the present. Amen? Because He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so He will be faithful in the past, in the present, and in the future. And so, not only is He preparing you for the next wave, He is using your life to bring glory unto Himself. If you were to think about things that you have gone through in your past, I guarantee you where God has been involved, you have learned lessons, you have gotten stronger, and also it has prepared you for what you're going through now, and it will continue to prepare you for the next thing. And then the fifth thing is that he is using your faith to impact others. Now, I'm telling you what, when you're in the middle of adversity, that's not your main priority. I wonder who's going to benefit from this. But it does bring purpose to the pain that we go through. So to stand tall in your faith today, to to make a stand, not only do you have to think about your trials as opportunities, your attitude, your attitude must be one of confidence in the fact that Jesus is the one taking you through them. So as we look at the passages, we see in verses 9 through 11 of James chapter 1 that making your stand to get today begins with a God-centered attitude. Now, what does that mean? 
He says in verse 9, Believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them. And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass withers. The little flower droops and falls. And its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all their achievements. The the loose translation of this is you can't take it with you. And you can hoard it all you want and try to get all you want on this earth. But you cannot, will not ever take it with you when you leave this place. Having nothing means for those of us that are not consumed with what we own and what's in our bank account and what's in our backyard and what we drive and all those things like that. I mean, having nice things is not bad. But if we are putting all of our effort, if there's that American dream where you work hard, we should have a work ethic. There, there are men and women, and you in here, you are working two, three jobs to, to, to provide for your family. And that's just what we have to do in these days. But the thing is, is that just because we work to provide doesn't mean that that needs to be our sole focus. Why do we provide? We provide because we love our family. Why do we make our kids and and ourselves get up on Sunday mornings and go to church? Because we love God. Because the thing is, if you don't have a whole lot today, be encouraged if you are a believer. Because having nothing now means that you will have everything in eternity. But it also means if your life is filled with things today, you'll have it now. But you very well may not have it in eternity. I'm telling you what, there is not one thing that you can purchase with all the money in the world that will keep you out of hell and send you to heaven. I know we don't like to hear about hell. We don't like preachers to talk about hell, but it's the truth. Think about it. The richest person in the world, whoever they may be, cannot buy a ticket to heaven. But that poor person on the side of the street begging for bread is the one that will get that ticket because the cost of heaven is the blood of Jesus Christ. And that is a gift. You don't earn it. It is a gift. Having everything without God means you have nothing of eternal value. Think about this. Think about right now for a moment. Think about all that you have. Everything that you have, the car payment, the house payment, and all these other things, your, your, your family, your friends, your career. Think about everything that you have. If, if you were to take an inventory of your life of, of not only physical things, but emotional things and relationships. And, you know, you think about the money that you have, the family, the health, the, the lifestyle that you have. Maybe the influence over others. All of these things that you have. Think about all that you have or ever could achieve. Will any of those things have eternal value? And if you say on some of those things, no, why are you trying so hard to keep them up? Because I'll tell you what, you don't own them. They own you. And James is trying to tell us that. Our attitude must not center on ourselves, but what God wants to do through us. Having an attitude of being poor, but trusting Jesus for your needs will Put your life in perspective. If you realize that all of this is God's anyway, 
And so I'm going to do my best to be a good father, a good husband, a good provider, a good brother, a good sister, a good friend, a good Samaritan, and all these other things. I'll do my best, but honestly, everything belongs to God. That helps you in your attitude. You cannot stop. You cannot quit. You have to have an attitude of gratitude. Now, some of you may remember a fight that happened back on November 25th, 1980, between two boxers. It was between Sugar Ray Leonard and Robert or Roberto Duran. It was in New Orleans, and it was one heck of a, a, a boxing match. And and so Duran had gone into the fight, and he had won, I think, like 72 wins. And so he was on a, a big winning streak. Well, they started fighting, and the long and short of it is, after a certain amount of rounds... Duran said, no mas, no mas, which meant no more. He didn't get knocked out. He just quit. He just quit. So you had this boxer that was in the prime of his life that he now when people go back and they look at this boxer, they don't think about what he did. They think about the fact that he quit. He had a wrong attitude. And we have all had times where we have tried crying, no more! I quit! But God says, you can't do that. you got to keep moving, and you got to keep pushing because maybe you're thinking about quitting your job, quitting the class you teach, or, or maybe even quitting on your marriage, but do not quit! Have an attitude of gratitude. Start thinking right, and have your attitude right. Because some people will quit, even God. I'm telling you what, I know what it means to have all this adversity on you and wondering where God is in all of this. And the temptation is to say, well, I have been forgotten. And to think that God is not even on your radar. And I'm not talking about for someone who was lost. I'm talking about those of you like me that are in church every time the doors are open. There are times where we have in our faith where we feel like we are far from God and feel like quitting. Do not quit. Because if you have an attitude of quitting, that is the devil working in your life. Do not quit your marriage. Do not quit your service. Do not quit your job unless it's I, obviously God wants you to. But what I'm saying is, is that we need to trust Him in the big things and little things. And unfortunately... Some people quit even on life. Suicide is an epidemic. Still to this day, in 2016, suicides had increased 1.2%. In America, 44,965 Americans will die by suicide each year. So almost 45,000 people. And for every suicide, there are 25 attempts. Why are people doing that? Why are people taking this life? Unfortunately, some of you in here have got family members or friends and you know people that have committed suicide. Folks, it is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And I got news for you. There are believers, people that love Jesus Christ with all their life, that got blinded by the enemy and quit life and took their own life because they had no hope because they weren't thinking right and because they didn't have the proper attitude. But the Bible is filled with people that wanted to give up. So if you've ever thought about giving up, you're in good company. 
Okay, for you know, example, Elijah said, Lord God, go ahead and take my life. I'm finished. <laughs> I'm out of here, God. Just, just take me away. Calgon, take me away, if you're old enough to remember that commercial. But the thing is, is that Job, if you remember Job, he did nothing wrong. And even Job said, I cursed the very day that I was born. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. But what did they have in common? They endured. They endured. And James is calling us to do the same. And so in your weakest moment, you can still be faithful to God without knowing your situation will be resolved. Only that it will be your choice, your attitude, and your opportunity. I'm telling you, I'm not preaching at you with this. I'm, I'm telling you, this is where I've been. I mean, as a Christian, as a believer, with wave after wave after wave, not knowing how it's going to resolve, only that it is in God's hands. We endure wave after wave after wave. The second thing we see is that you can make your stand by having an attitude of endurance. By having an attitude of endurance. It says in verse 12, God blesses those who wait or who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love them. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong and he never tempts anyone. Temptation comes, here you go, temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Breaking that down, God does not tempt us with sin. And when we sin, it's because we choose to. I tell you what, the devil gets a lot of credit for stuff he doesn't do. Because this evil nature that we have in us, it is always at war with what God wants with our life. So we need to patiently endure testing and temptation. One of the biggest things that you could do for yourself today is own your stuff. Own your sin. Not to your neighbor or to a stranger. I mean, if you need to make reconciliation with a neighbor, I would suggest that you do that. Because that is biblical. But God is not fooled by our mess. And the biggest thing that people don't do today is they own to their mistakes. You Listen, I'll just put it this way. You will never fully know God's grace until you own all of your sins. Because if you keep blaming what happens to you and the choice that you have made because what has happened to you, and you may have a very legitimate reason, but I'm saying, you got to own your stuff. Because when you own it and give it to God, that's where you receive grace. That is where you receive mercy. And that is where you receive forgiveness at the mercy seat. We need to keep an eternal perspective. We need to remember that God is good. Don't let your circumstances overwhelm you to the point where you do not see God as good. I'm telling you what, it's a dangerous place for a believer to think God is out to get them. And I don't know if you've ever thought that, but I have. And it's scary. It's scary to think that that God is not good because that is a lie straight from the pit of hell.
We must keep proper perspective. And we must keep our desires in check. Because I want to tell you what. Your sins will take you down. Not if, but when. They will take you down. We, I'm t- I don't know what you've heard on the news uh, recently, but our Southern Baptist Convention is in a mess. It really is. We've had three high-profile leaders in the Southern Baptist Convention removed from their positions. Some for questionable practices, others for alleged improprieties. And I'm not going to mention the names because it doesn't matter. You got Google, look for yourself. And I don't say that to judge them because every one of those men started with good intentions, but their sins enticed them and dragged them away. And the devil is having a heyday because now the Southern Baptist Convention, it looks fractured. And quite honestly, it is. Because people in high profile didn't practice what they preached. I don't say that as judging because by the grace of God, something could happen to me. But it's because people got so surrounded in their own environment and they didn't own their sin. They didn't own their responsibility. And it came back to bite them. Keep your desires in check. How do you keep your desires in check? By reading his word. When your desires become his desire, things work a lot better. The last thing we see is that when you make your stand as God's prized possession, you need to make your stand as God's prized possession. I don't know about you, but when my mom and dad used to call me their sunny boy, man, I still think about it and it makes my my heart smile. Because I know that they love me. And when you think about people that have told you that they love you, it, it, it makes you feel good. And to know that God, my eternal Father, the, the, the being, the Creator that created me inside my mother's womb, looks at me and says, of all the things that I have, James, you are my prized possession." And every one of you in here, no matter what your age is, no matter what your gender, no matter what your color, no matter what you've got in your wallet, no matter what you've got in your bank, or no matter what kind of baggage you came in here with, you are God's prized possession. You need to start acting like it. And so do I. It says that so don't be misled in verse 16. Don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God, our Father, who created the lights in the heavens. He never changes. He never casts a shadow, a shifting shadow. And He chooses to give birth to us by giving us His true word. And we are all And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Folks, do not be misled like Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. Satan uses fear. Satan uses your lusts, your fears, your anxieties to get you thrown off course. Because every desirable, beneficial thing that comes out of heaven is a gift 
from God. I don't know if you've ever read the message. It's a great translation that that really um, kind of lets the Bible be read like a book almost. And I mean, it's, you know, I don't know if I'd go to it for in-depth Bible study, but for the sake of someone that needs to read the Bible to understand what it says, this is a great translation. And I put it on the screen for you. James 1, 16 through 18, the same verse I just read says, So my very dear friends, don't get thrown off course. Every desirable and beneficial gift comes out of heaven. The gifts are rivers of light, cascading from the Father of light. There is nothing deceitful in God, nothing two-faced, nothing fickle. He brought us to life using the true word, showing us off as the crown of all his creatures. Some of you, I tell you what, on a Sunday morning, you are just bursting to tell somebody about what your grandchildren did. What your children did or, or some kind of award they got. You just cannot wait to tell somebody. And I think that's awesome. Because you love them. But have you ever thought that God is showing off the sunrises, the sunsets, the world spins, everything works because you are his prized possession. God created all of this for you to live on. Because you are his prized possession. James 1, 17 in the good old King James Version says, Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Folks, I want you to fully understand what James is saying. Everything that comes into our lives comes From God. From God to us. Everything that comes from God is good. Say that with me. Everything that comes from God is good. Everything that comes from God is good. Everything that comes from God is good. But I would add something to that. That goes in line with the first couple of verses in James. Everything from God is good. But it's not Always pleasant. You ever try to feed a young baby vegetables? You end up getting more on the tray and on you than in their mouth. You try the airplane, it doesn't work. You try the crane method, it doesn't work. You try the dinosaur method, it doesn't. You try all of these different things, they're not going to do it. Or even worse, your poor baby is sick. And yet they've got this nasty cough syrup. And I say, oh, it's grape flavor. No, it's not. It's nasty. And so you give that grape flavor medicine and they just, you know that face they make. And they, they that mouth is just shut so tight they're not going to take that medicine. And you know that it's not going to be pleasant for them, but you know if you don't get it down their throats, they are going to continue to be sick. It's not pleasant for the baby. And quite honestly, it's not pleasant for the caregiver either. But folks, there are things that will come into your life that is 
that are unpleasant at the time, but they are for your good because God is good. And the bottom line is, we learn from Job and all the other biblical characters that we study, is that this is the aha moment for you. Here it is. Nothing comes into our lives that God does not allow. Nothing comes into our lives that God does not allow. And all of it, even the punishment for sin from God is good. It's not always pleasant, but it's good. You and I need to change our attitude this morning. We need to change our attitude from why me, God, to what do you want me to learn? Why me, God, to what do you want me to learn? That's the attitude that James says. In the first couple of verses, he says, you need to change your thinking to look at all things as opportunities for great joys. And your attitude needs not to be, why are you doing this to me? But what do I need to learn? Folks, you will see yourself as God's prized possession when you go to the Christian bookstore and get another book on how special you are. No. That could help. You could go to Amazon or you could go to the library you could go to any bookstore and there will be one of the biggest sections is self-help. And you could go there, but that still will not help you see yourself as God's prized possession. Folks, all you need is this right here. If you are not reading your word on your own for your own enjoyment and all you get is a, a weekly diet of 20 minutes or 30 minutes from me, or whoever else you listen to, you're not full, getting the full picture. You are God's prized possession. There are 66 books that talk about that. And there is a Savior that's encompassed in every one of these pages that died for your sin because you are God's prized possession. I mean, think about it. God gave His one and only Son Many of you have children or grandchildren or people that are special to you that you wouldn't give them up for anybody. But God gave His one and only Son because God wanted to bring you back to Him. It is impossible, 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 and impossible to make a stand in your faith apart from reading God's Word meditating on it, and applying God's word to your life. The psalmist says, how can a young man keep his, how can a young man keep his way pure? Is by living by every word that is found in the Bible. To not do this, to not read the word, and to not apply the word to your life, you will never experience all that God has for you. Say, oh preacher, I don't understand the Bible. Go to the store or look online and find one that you can understand. They got emoji Bibles. Did you know that? You know what an emoji is? A little smiley faces? Evidently the millennials love it. They can read the Bible and see emojis at the same time. 
So don't say that there's not a translation out there that you can't understand. If you have a smartphone, you have the ability to find reading plans, Bible verses, preachers, and the whole nine yards. If you're not reading the Bible and engaging with it, it's not because it's not out there. Now, there are people in other parts of the world that can have that excuse. But you and I? Mm-mm. No. To do nothing with God's Word makes no sense. Now, many of you have got smartphones. Any of you got smartphones? Oh, yeah. I'll tell you what's funny, especially with some of our older people. Uh, their children will get smartphones and they'll give them the old one. Preacher, what do I do with this? Well, you need this to make a call. You need this. And, and some of our senior adults are very tech savvy. Probably more than I am. But the thing is, is that you get the smartphone and, and in the old days when you bought something, there was something in the box with it. The instructions. Now, I don't know if you've ever purchased a smartphone in the last 10 years, but there are no instructions. Now, it's, it's easy to make a call. You hit the phone button. Most of you can, can, some of you are still on the flip. You know, you like that flip. And that's cool. Some of you don't even have, and that's fine. But the thing is, is that we can look and we can, we can try our best to figure this thing out. But nine times out of ten, somebody's going to show you how to do something with your phone that you didn't know it did. Because you didn't have an instruction manual. Where am I getting with this? Folks, if all you do is depend on your own ability and what other people say about your life, you will never know what the true instruction manual says and how to live. So in conclusion, you are God's prized possession. You are so prized that God gave His best to redeem you. So the invitation today is this. The invitation is is to start thinking right and to start changing your attitude to fall in line with what James says, not what the current trends say. Because the only way you will make sense of life is by God giving you His instructions. Now, some of you in here may be overwhelmed. I encourage you, look at it as an opportunity for God to do something in your life. Some of you may be here today just because you're overwhelmed. And you have seen a glimmer of hope that is found in God's Word. You are God's prized possession. And if you do not know Him, as your Savior and Lord, then you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are His. And that you can have a relationship with this God that created you. Come down front. I will pray with you. If you don't want to come by yourself, get a friend to bring you. But make a stand today. The invitation is for you to come forward, to pray at the altars, maybe join the church, be baptized, whatever it may be. This invitation is a time for you to respond, to get your thinking right to get your attitude right and to become God's prized possession. Would you please stand?